On this episode of Resi Week, we talk life after Expo for Cedia, Sonos joins Portal.io, and Alexa is in Google Sites. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 148, Onboarding Education. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Access Networks and by Crestron. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt T. Scott for avnation.tv. And today I'm pleased to be joined by Dennis Holzer. He is the Executive Director of the Powerhouse Alliance. How are you, sir? I am terrific. Thanks for having me as usual. Thank you so much for being here. Looking forward to a good time. We also have Jeremy Glowacki. Uh, He is the senior editor of uh, Residential Tech Today. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you. Good to see you again. Thanks for being here. And last but not least, we have Ken Eagle. He is the director of training for Atlona. He's also the guy that doesn't call a friend when he comes up to Detroit last week. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was eating turkey, man. Sorry. Yeah. I'm next right. time. Get you on the next trip. That's what you say every time. I'm starting to think it's me. <laughs> well, when you come you to the US for Canada Thanksgiving, you can. Uh, That's right. That's true. That's true. All right, gentlemen, let's kick this right off with a story that comes to us from CE Pro Life Actor Expo. Cedia reveals their revenues, initiatives, and some new dealer designations. This is written by the one and only Jason Knott. When you read through this article, it, it, essentially it's a recap of the State of the Association presentation that went out last week uh, from Cedia that involved uh, a bunch of the senior staff at Cedia as well as uh, the executive uh, board of director team. A couple of big things. Obviously, there's a bunch of numbers in there as far as membership numbers and the financial situation. Uh, they also touch on education and uh, the massive number of um, regional events that are going on and the introduction of a new member of excellence program. Dennis, I want to start with you on this. Um, when we start to look at a these reports, the, the state of the industry type reports, but specifically on things like member numbers and income and expense numbers, as an average CDA member, whether you're like yourself, a, a distributor, manufacturer like Ken, member of the press like Jeremy, or an integrator like myself, do these these kind of numbers, right? The the, the business numbers really matter uh, to the majority of members. No, what members want to know, in my opinion, I mean it's it's this is a pretty short topic for me. So, um, you know, to me, what we sell as a group. Um, and I'm talking about anybody buys something for a penny or more in a calendar year. We sell to 18,000 dealers across the country, all 50 states. So when I look at, first of all, they have 3,000 members. Um, to me, that's a little disappointing. But what the average member uh, or member integrator period wants to know is, if I join you, what do I get back in return for sending you money? Mm-hmm. And the one thing I, I've harped on CD is I don't think that CDA has done a, a good enough job, in my personal opinion, of 
saying, what are the benefits of becoming CEDIA, a CEDIA member? And it used to be the first thing was, hey, we have a CEDIA show, you can get in cheaper. Well, at least that's something. Well, now they don't own the CEDIA show. So, you know, what is the function of CEDIA in this community? And, you know, it, it, to me, the numbers don't mean anything. Um, there's no installer that said, oh, man, they lost a million dollars last year, so I don't know if I'm going to send them my check this year. Um, they, they don't have time to think about that. So, no, I, I don't. I, I think it makes no sense. Very good. Jeremy, one of the things Dennis talked about was, you know, what is the association doing for members and, and their, you know, concern with that. When you look at this new member of excellence program, which is trying to help give integrators, if I'm reading it properly, um, you know, essentially some, some distinction, some differentiation factors when they're going out and, and talking to, uh, you know, their, their clients, some, some marketing value there. Is this the type of thing that helps uh, integrators or, or is this one of those just another program that unless the dealers really latch onto it, it's going to just be another program, just another badge or, or letters to throw at the end of your business card? Well, I think like anything, it's what you want to make of it. So if you are a CDM member and you are proud of the type of business you run and the types of uh, certifications that you've um, paid for, you've you know invested in, then you can make something out of that. You know, you can talk to a client and say, this is what our certifications are. You may have not heard of Cedia, but this is what it is. And you can tell them whatever you want to tell them about how important the association is, you know, and it is to a lot of people still. Um, and the client, I would imagine, would would feel better about working with that company, you know, knowing that they've been trained and they have this certification and what it means. Um, it's, it's the same as uh, some of these other, you know, anything that you get from a manufacturer, you can say, hey, we've got all this official training and, you know, you can be assured that we're going to do this the right way. Um, I do think CDM membership is fairly inexpensive still. Um, when you think about it in the grand scheme of things, $500 is a drop in the bucket for so many companies. But yeah, you do want to feel like you're getting something for that. There used to be a, a certification uh, standard, you know, and that got a lot of pushback. I think the economy hit and people didn't want to have to do this mandatory extra paid training, you know, to get certified to maintain their membership. So I think this is a good compromise where it's enabling them to get something more for their, for their membership, um, make them stand out. So you, you're not just throwing $500 at a membership and everyone's the same, you've got a higher standard for going through some other hoops. So I think it's a great idea, but it's what you make of it in your marketing and your communication with clients. Very good. Ken, I wanted to talk to you about education. Obviously that's something that you deal with a lot, uh, mm -hmm. being director of training. When you look at the, the manner in which their uh, city this year did a uh, hundred plus regional events, they're looking at doing even more next year, uh, as well as fully revamping um, their LMS. Is that one of those one of those pillars that really can make the uh, your membership to the association so key in not only having so much learning, but having so much regional learning? Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh, education is a key point of Cedia, so I think the better job they do with it, the more 
value they bring to the marketplace faster. That's one things that one of the things I think that manufacturers, integrators, distributors that everyone is looking for from CDA for their dollars. Let's see some good education. Um, I think they've got a couple of opportunities here. I think if CDA had some kind of an education program where if I'm an integrator and I'm hiring on installers to come in, if I could take my installer, sit them down in front of a CDA LMS and get some of the basic AV foundational learning done there coming in, that makes it easier for me as a business owner to get my staff in and train, right? I don't have to worry about building an onboarding education program. If I can use CDS onboarding education program, bring those guys through, and then there's some kind of standard out there that all the dealers, installers are getting a certain level of foundational education. They need a program like that. I haven't really seen that. Maybe it, maybe it exists at some level, but I, I'm not sure that the awareness is there around it. I also think there's an opportunity for Cedia today just in emerging technologies and AV technology in general. Uh, when I had my AV integration company in Detroit from 2000 through 2007, I went to Cedia for a lot of information, but it was easy then. It was speakers, it was a receiver, it was component cabling. I mean, it was, it was a lot of easy stuff to do. Putting theaters in was easy. It was fast, it was fun, and it was loud. Now there's a lot of technology. There's digital technology. There's AV over IP technology. Uh, we're going to, I think, talk about uh, voice control. That changes the game completely. Uh, I mean, when I was installing systems, you could buy a, a speaker craft or Elan or, or uh, AV, or I'm sorry, audio distribution system for home. You can make a ton of money off that. That's all gone today. It's not there anymore. So I think there's an opportunity for Cedia to maybe be a voice of uh, unification for the industry to kind of help guide some of these newer, younger dealers out there and where even some of the, the pros. What are these new technologies? Where are they going? How could I learn more about it? Because there's really not a central place to go right now. And I can tell you from a manufacturer standpoint, uh, we, we obviously have a, a bias in the technology and what we're pushing. And so, uh, and which is tough working for a manufacturer because I love technology. I love all the different products out there, but I really got to focus on mine. Uh, I wish there was a place where you could see more of it. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's go to the next story of the day. This comes to us from Residential Systems. Sonos joins Portal Select. If you don't know what Portal Select is, it is a, a, a division of Portal IO that allows you to not only create proposals and do everything else, but you can actually purchase products directly from that platform uh, and they ship in three days for free and all that kind of good stuff. Uh, it, it's essentially an Amazon type uh, version for the custom installation industry. Jeremy, I want to start with you on this. This is kind of a bigger deal. Sonos has been fairly... Uh, technically regulated as far as availability. They haven't been uh, available everywhere for integrators. For, re, uh, for, for end users, yes. But for integrators, you're either direct or you're dealing with one or two, uh, maybe three distribution partners for the longest time. This is kind of a big jump for them. When you look at this, is this that big of a deal for both? Or is it just a, another extension of you know, Sonos trying to stay committed to the channel? Well, you and I were both at the event um, at Sonos's uh, Boston headquarters or East Coast headquarters. And, um, you know, when you, you talk to them in person, they really do seem to have um, the, the channel um, 
as a, a major focus. Uh, you know, that's come and gone in different times in their history. Um, but, I, it, you know, they seem very sincere about it. Their CEO really seemed like he, you know, embraced what the channel brought to the table for them. You know, they've attacked the, the consumer market very well. They're one of the few companies that really markets out there that gives our industry, a, you know, some kind of visibility out there. Um, so I think this is just giving more access than they had before. Uh, I think it is uh, a fairly big deal um, to, to have more availability to, as a direct sort of relationship for integrators, that, um, you know, for the, especially for those who may be kind of getting started and don't have, you know, the visibility yet with all the manufacturers. Very good. Ken, when you look at this, uh, again, kind of from the manufacturer side of things, what does this mean for Sonos as far as how they've gone to market in the past to our industry? Uh, again, opening up something like this where portal's not hard. You don't really have to do much to get connected with them. You can just log in and buy. What does this mean for you know brands like Sonos that are coming on with Portal Select? Well, I, I think it's a smart move for Sonos. I don't know about their competitors if they like that that much because they're already kind of a dominant force in that, in that in, uh, segment of the industry. And I think this further enables what, what they can do, extends their reach um, to dealers who want to sell it but haven't been selling it. Uh, at Lona, we've used it in the past. Um, it's a pretty great program. Like you said, it's very Amazon-like. So at your fingertips now, you've got the ability to grab this product and use it. So um, it kind of reminds me of a bit like, um, I don't know, I mean, Snap AV kind of did this several years back ago when, when they came out with their online model. And while uh, Portal is kind of more uh, brand agnostic, right, uh, than, than Snap is, it puts a lot of resources in one place and Sonos is a big resource. So I think it's probably a smart move on their part, but um, you know, we'll see how the industry adopts it. Very good. Dennis, I, I left the, the tougher question for you. Um, we, we, we talked the Sonos aspect of it with Jeremy and Ken. The question I had for you, because you're involved so heavily, obviously, on the distribution side, Portal, when they first started, they were uh, you know, a proposal tool. Didn't really necessarily make a lot of waves uh, going into the distribution side. As soon as they launched Select, they kind of started to dabble. Are they now, have they now surpassed, you know, who they, who they were when they started? Are they now considered a distributor? Would you look at them as competition? I think the answer to that question is yes. Um, I think they can dictate in their own subtle way of where you buy product as an integrator. They can, you know, push you to different areas by pricing and different things. And so, yes, they are a competitor. And the other part of that is that what everybody needs to be aware of, and I'm talking about manufacturers and certainly distributors, and they have all the relevant information. So what is to prevent them from coming up with their own version. It seems to be everybody's doing it today. So why not them coming up with their own version of Alexa or Google Home or uh, Facebook's product or whatever. And now they have an instant audience. And look, at the end of the day, everybody's in this to make money. 
And it's one of the questions, frankly, to be honest, that I ask them, what is to prevent you from at some point down the road, wherever that road is, to accessing everybody that you've shipped to with your own products? And the answer I got was, we won't do that. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you said if he came into your market at Thanksgiving, he would absolutely meet with you. And he said he wouldn't do that again, and he did. So, you know, I'm going to just leave it at that. They are a competitor, in my opinion. Um, it's not to say they don't help, um, but they have access to a lot of information right now that can, can help everybody or, in some cases, hurt certain competitors. Gotcha. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's move on to our next story of the day. This comes to us from CNET. Alexa, be afraid. Google's home hub showcases Amazon's vulnerability. This is a commentator or a common, blah. yeah, it's by Rycrest as my Alexa just triggered in the other room because I muted this one. Um, as you read through this, this is honestly one of the better uh, articles that I've read on CNET about the Amazon Google uh, kind of kind of fight. And Ken, I wanted to start with you on this one. It's a pretty exhaustive article. It covers a lot of things. One of the things that really hit me was the fact that, you know, the, the latest studies show that Alexa is 70% of the smart speaker market. Google only has 24%. But the article insists that those numbers are misleading and that the the connection that Google has or, or the the aggressiveness that Google has against this is much stronger than those numbers uh, dictate. Is it as close as, you know, this article and pretty much every other article I've read says that it is, even though the numbers don't bear that out? It's hard to say. They've got such a big, such a big market that, that goes outside of, uh, you know, the um, custom electronics market that we play in. But I can tell you this from my experience, and, and I have some, several Alexa devices myself, and my in-laws have Google devices. And when looking at which one I would purchase, um, you know, the Alexa had a deeper reach. And as I've checked the Black um, Friday ads and the Cyber Monday and Cyber Week websites, I mean, the, the Alexa is pushed really heavily on that Amazon site. And a lot of people access Amazon site. So I can see, you know, the argument for saying that 70% of the market is Alexa. It may be true. Plus they started out there first. Also, if you try to order Google off of Amazon, you can't get it, right? obviously. So, um, you know, you got to know where to go and buy it. Um, it. So in terms of where do we sit today? Yeah, those numbers probably are, are right. 70% I would think is probably the Amazon product just because they've been out and because they've got a site for it. But um, I think that Google's gaining fast. A lot of people use it. The Pixel phone ties in. A lot of people use that. Um, and, you know, having used the Google product, it's very good. So I think there's a, yeah, I think at some point over time, we'll see those numbers get closer. Will they even out or pass? I don't know. But I think the gap will shrink. Dennis, let me ask you this. What Ken just said was that, the, you know, it'll probably even out. It'll, it'll probably... Uh, you know, not reflect the way it does today. The question I have for you is when I look at at least my customers that are going Google versus the one that are going or the ones that are going Amazon, it kind of seems to come down to two different trains of thought. 
the people that are going after Google are looking for that smart assistant, right? To help them access information. The people that are going after Alexa are looking for those third-party skills and those third-party uh, interactions. Is that also adding to the, uh, the complication of this battleground? I don't, I don't believe so. I think you obviously have the clash of the titans. And we just mentioned Sonos. Um, and Sonos, very similar to Amazon, as the article in, says, was the first to be here. And they got the, the lion's share. Uh, I believe there's a community out there that you're an integrator. And I think you understand this. They, they call you and they say, Tim, here's what I want to do in my house. Or here's what I want to do commercially. What do you recommend me to do? And I think as we move down the road, some of these facts that may be factual are really governed by the integrator, um, governed by where you can get the product, governed by who runs the most ads. So I think in, in the long run of what you said, it's a little true, but I think that's really not what drives the public. I don't believe in a lot of cases, you, you know, I guess the best way to say it is there's always that chair out there that wants to drive the newest, latest BMW, but then there's the 95% of the rest of the world that does what they do because something spurred their mind, but it, they, they don't go to that extent of the education to understand what the true differences are. And they are both great products. Yeah, very good. Jeremy, last question of this story for you. Um, and it's going to be kind of two-faced. One, if you missed it, just uh, late last week, Amazon is getting Apple Music, which I think is going to add even more to this conversation. Um, but specifically, when we start looking at the the Home Hub versus the Alexa show, those are two new products that are coming out, and and they're both the same while really different everything else in the line or, or the standard line for both companies has a, a fairly equal competitor. When we start looking at the, the, the touchscreen devices, are they going to really propel this, this fight forward because there, there can be such a huge gap between interfaces? Um, I, I think it's an interesting uh, product category that's on the rise that we aren't really talking about yet. I, I, I'm curious about what the market is for these products, um, these video-driven, um, I guess, hub products. Um, Facebook has one as well um, that they're marketing very well. Um, funny commercials, they're, they seem to be appealing to... Uh, a boomer kind of demographic in a lot of ways. Uh, there's there's some good ones there with about, about ugly Christmas sweaters that I've seen. <laughs> um, accidental comments. Anyway, um, I, I wonder if it's, you know, people that have already really embraced, um, you know, Facebook, uh, you know, video and things like that where they're, they're not really looking for a device that like this. I, I, I'm wondering if they're, even even the seniors who you think this is simplifying their life would already have an iPhone or uh, a tablet that they wouldn't necessarily need that um, extra device for. 
Um, they've got their voice enabled um, products. I, I'm wondering if there, there is a market for this, or if it's going to go that way or not, but uh, um, it's an interesting category. And maybe people want some little device on their, on their countertop that, that shows the, you know, the, the time and the recipe and everything is adding something in. I, it, they used to be uh, you know, your tablet or your laptop, and maybe it's just this is more of a, you know, utilitarian piece that, that looks nicer on your countertop. I'm not sure. Very good. All right. If, just for anyone or all of you or, or, or whatever, th the last question I had kind of on this whole topic was, is this something that we're just going to continue to talk about? Is this battle going to be ongoing or is this going to be a, a Blu-ray HD DVD or, or, you know, VHS versus Betamax where there is a finite end? To me, I always feel that this battle is going to go on forever uh, or at least until the next generation of technology comes up. Am I wrong in that? No, I, I would agree with you, Matt. I, I could see this kind of going on forever. Uh, you got two big companies out there, each with competing technologies that are very similar. And I think maybe what might tip the scales a little bit is depending on who brings in the other big players. You mentioned Apple Music coming into Amazon. I think that's a big deal. That's huge. That's huge. All right, gentlemen, let's leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Dennis, um, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Powerhouse Alliance, where can they do that? It's easy. You can go to www.powerhousealliance.com or if you want to get to me personally, which is on the site, dholzer at powerhousealliance.com. Uh, we certainly welcome dealers and obviously uh, we're limited in the quantity of distributors because we're territory bound, but uh, we're happy to work with dealers and uh, we appreciate you having me on today as, uh, and, and Tim, now that I know he has a set of glasses, I got to be very careful, but uh, we're, <laughs> I appreciate, <laughs> I appreciate everything. Very good. Thanks again for coming. We always appreciate your insight. If, if you didn't know, Tim just got some readers. It's, it's fun. Uh, Jeremy. <laughs> Of course, thank you for joining us, my friend. If people want to connect with you, uh, get a subscription to Residential Tech Today, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Where do they do that? Yeah, please. Um, it would be great to, since we are new, to get subscribers. Um, restechtoday.com is our uh, URL, and you can find me there as well. Uh, my email, it, it's easier to find there than to try to remember how to spell it if I said it out loud. So uh, check us out there and subscribe. Beautiful. Ken, of course, thank you for being here, my friend. Uh, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Atlona, where can they do that? Uh, online is the best place, atlona.com. Don't forget to check out the training landing page and access our portal. It's completely free. Lots of great foundational AV technology you can find out there. Beautiful. Thanks again for being here, all of you. Uh, for myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Yeah.